Welcome and thanks for joining us today on the Abundance Podcast. We'll go ahead and get started with prayer. Well, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you love us more than we can even imagine. Thank you for everything that you've already given us, Lord. I ask that you minister Holy Spirit to each individual right where they're at. That you minister a personal word to them because you know where they're at and you know the season they're in. So I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Thank you, God, that we can come together as believers and learn about your will for us and how much you love us. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of today's message is called, It's Not Weird, and that's geared towards speaking in tongues. And in the last episode, which was entitled, The Fullness, What We Already Have in Christ, I talked about how praying in the Spirit, otherwise known as speaking in tongues, was one of the ways we're able to draw out what God has already placed on the inside of us. So in this episode, it only makes sense to go ahead and speak a little bit about what tongues is. Now, if you've already been taught that speaking in tongues is bad or that it isn't for us today, the goal of this message is not to tell you that you're a terrible Christian (laughs) or that you're not going to be used by God or anything along those lines, okay? That, that's not it at all. I'm simply wanting to show you from the Word of God an additional experience made available to every believer through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And then from that, from what I present to you today through the Word, you decide if what I'm seeing in the Word is God or if it's not true. Because if my motive... <laughs> ever becomes any of the things that I just described, then I've gotten off in a ditch and I've lost sight of what 1 Corinthians tells us. So let's start off by turning there. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. And that says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels, here it is, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. These verses are really describing the condition of our heart. And really, this makes me think of an example of how someone gives the appearance of becoming born again, but there truly isn't a heart change. It may be a situation where they're in like a church setting as a child or even as an adult, and they were told to repeat this prayer after me, but they didn't really know what they were saying or they really didn't believe it anyways. They just kind of parroted it like a bird, you know. They just kind of said it because that's what everybody was doing, but there was no heart change connected to it, okay? It wasn't genuine. And similar to that, We as true born-again believers, okay, so I'm kind of switching gears here, but we can do lots of things that on the surface seem to be good. But if it's not done with the right heart, the right motive, it profits us nothing. And this verse is proving the point by saying that even if we give a prophetic word or we understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if we have all faith, if we feed the poor or even give our bodies to the point of being burned, If none of that is done with the right heart, or, you know, it says love, it profits you absolutely nothing. So right out of the gate, I want you to understand that I am attempting (laughs) to share this in love. And yes, 
I am very passionate about the Word of God. And when I believe I see a truth in there, I grab it and I run with it and I talk about it with a strong conviction. Because why wouldn't I? Okay? (laughs) If I truly believe something to be true, why wouldn't I talk about it like it is true? So when you listen to me speak on this topic, I ask that you please give me the benefit of the doubt and please don't misinterpret my passion for God's word for like a disdain towards you, you know, if you see things differently. Because the truth is, we're supposed to collectively be the body of Christ, okay? Every born-again believer, we are the body of Christ. We're supposed to be in unity even if we don't see everything from the Bible eye to eye, as the expression goes. So to be clear, I'm not sharing this to argue any doctrine with any of you, okay? If you don't see things the way that I do, even though I'm presenting it through the Word of God, it's okay, okay? I'm simply sharing it because it's benefited me greatly, and I want the same for you. I want you, at the very least, to be able to walk away from today knowing that you've been made aware of what's been made available to you, and from that, it's your choice whether you believe it or not. So as we get started here, I just want to point out that there's two groups of people I'm gearing this message towards. Now, don't get me wrong, (laughs) it's for everyone, but it's specifically geared towards these two groups. The first group is those that have been taught against speaking in tongues. And the second group is those that have never heard or know very little about speaking in tongues. And the truth is, you're probably almost better off if you fall into that second category where you don't know much about it or you've heard very little about it. And that's because when we have to unlearn something, it can be really challenging. When we already have an established opinion on something, whatever it may be, it can be tough to get over what we already believe to be true. What I mean is, you may be someone who's been told by a parent or a grandparent or a friend or even a pastor that speaking in tongues doesn't apply to you today. And because there's already a bias there, because you respect that individual so much, it's hard to even consider that what they've shared with you may be incorrect. Now, when I speak with young adults and the conversation veers over into their relationship with their parents, one of the things I tell them is that one of the biggest days in their adult growth, if you will, is the day that they recognize that their parents don't have all the answers. Okay, and I'm not saying that in a way that, you know, they should be critical of them. You know, that, that's not it at all. I'm simply saying it's important to come to the realization that even your own parents or anybody you look up to, but specifically talking about parents here, no matter how awesome they are, that they're imperfect people just trying to do the best they can with what they have. So back to the topic of praying in tongues. My point is that for some, it won't matter what the Bible says. It won't matter how well this topic is presented to them through the word of God, mind you, whether it's by me or someone else. And why is that? It's because when we've been taught something, it's very hard to unlearn what we've already been taught. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible. I personally vaguely heard growing up that speaking in tongues was of the devil. And praise God, I didn't hear much more about it after that. But it's going to take the Holy Spirit inside you to reveal this to you, to minister to you. So as we get into this, if what you're seeing in the Word, and when I say the Word, I'm talking about the Bible, if it goes against some of the traditions you've been taught, 
I'm not saying this with arrogance. I'm saying this with love. I just want to encourage you to throw that other stuff out. Okay. The word talks about how it's the doctrines of men that make the word of no effect. So again, if you've never heard about this topic, that's okay. (laughs) But what I don't want is for someone who doesn't know much about this, or maybe has never even heard about tongues to think that this is just for the, you know, quote unquote, advanced Christians, because that's just not true. My hope is that everyone who listens is open to seeing what the Bible says about it. Because one thing that's awesome about God's grace and mercy is that he's not expecting us to have everything figured out right out of the gate, okay? He'll work with us. So let's hop into this. Let's look at some of the examples in the Bible where people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues. Let's go to Acts 19, verses 1 through 6. And it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, Here it is, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. (laughs) And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had, here it is, laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So this verse is really cool because these born-again believers didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. This was literally their first time hearing about it. So if you fall into that category where you had no idea about any of this stuff, or maybe even you didn't even know that there is a Holy Spirit, you're in the same category as these people. Okay, so it's all good. So what we see is that they were believers. Okay, they had trusted in Jesus Christ. But next we see that Paul fully immerses them in water. And what that's referring to is water baptism. And that was in verse 5. And next we see that he lays his hands on them and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And it says that they spoke with tongues. Now the phrase, the Holy Spirit coming upon them, is just another name for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's the same thing. Holy Spirit coming upon, baptism in the Holy Spirit, same thing, just another way to describe it. Here's another example. Acts 10, verses 44 through 48. And this is where Peter is speaking to the Gentiles. Okay, and and if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Okay, I'm a Gentile. And it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon, okay, Holy Spirit fell upon them, baptism in the Holy Spirit, all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So in the first example, in the Acts 19 account, we see they were first believers, they were water baptized, and then they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In the second example, in Acts 10, 
Peter was talking to believers, okay, it specifically said that, the Holy Spirit then fell upon them, okay, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then it very clearly shows that they were water baptized. So it's very clear that water baptism and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are not the same thing. They're two separate experiences available to every believer. It's not just something made available to those who have been coming to church for 10, 20, 30 years. Okay? It's for every believer, no matter what the span of time is. Whether it's the same day, whether it's 10 years later, it doesn't matter. It's also important to point out that either experience can come first. Okay, There's no quote-unquote rule where one has to be water baptized first and then the baptism in the Holy Spirit follows, okay, or vice versa. The only thing that must come first is for someone to be born again. Now, what else do we see happen in both these examples? It's that after they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it says that they spoke in tongues. And this speaking in tongues is a grace gift made available to the church. And you and I are a part of the church age. Both these examples are in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts was the start of the dispensation that you and I live under today. This wasn't just for them. Okay, It's scriptural, and it's for anyone who's accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. <laughs> and might I add, it's not weird. So, let's first try to gain some basic understanding about tongues. Okay, What is tongues? Simply put, it's a heavenly prayer language. And here, the title of this message is called, It's Not Weird, but, you know, when I describe it that way, I can see how that may sound weird, calling it a heavenly prayer language. But let me ask you this. Has anyone ever been around a baby and instantly started talking in, like, baby talk? <laughs> you know, how about a dog? You know, to all our pet lovers out there, to your cat or your dog or whatever that might be. Now, I got a question for you. Is that weird? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just messing with you. All right. I know you love your animals, you love your pets and all that, and especially you love your kids, okay? But really though, it is kind of weird. And that's just cuz if you really think about it, neither the baby or an animal can understand what you're saying anyways. And most of the time, what's coming out of our mouths when we talk in that baby talk or whatever, it's not even real words. And yet we still do it. But, you know, nobody cares about that or nobody says anything about that because it's just, you know, it's okay. And kind of as a side note, my wife's name is Shiloh. And when we were dating, you know, you're in that lovey-dovey stage and all that stuff. And one day we're hanging out at my house and I'm joking around with her saying how like Adam and Eve, you know, she's my Eve, how God brought her to me and, and all that. And that's all biblically you know, true. I was just, you know, being playful and all that. And, you know, Eve came from Adam's rib. So anyways, you know, I'm just being silly and, you know, kind of along the lines of those, that baby talk type stuff. I says, you know, yeah, you're my rib, you know, my rib, my, my, my wibby, my wibby. And so we were just being silly. Well, anyways, that name wibby, which is referring to like the rib, that name actually stuck. So, you know, we've been together for nine or so years. I think we've been married for eight years. I better get that right. <laughs> yep, eight years. But anyways, that, that name stuck. And I still call her Wibby to this day. So anyways, back to you know this baby talk. 
The truth is, it doesn't make much sense. The baby can't understand us, your pet can't understand you, and yet we still do it. So, back to praying in tongues. The cool thing about praying in tongues, unlike baby talk and all that, is that it's actually not gibberish. Okay, God knows exactly what we're saying. Here's another way to think about it. If I were to speak in German or Chinese or some language that you didn't know how to speak it, would that be weird? Well, no. Just because you don't understand what's being said doesn't mean that there's not somebody out there who would understand it, you know, because they speak that language. It's just that you don't speak it, so how would you understand the language? Okay, you obviously wouldn't. 1 Corinthians 13.1, which is the verse we already read, it started off by saying, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So we see here, there's the tongues of men, okay, which is like English. You know, right now I'm speaking in English and you can understand what I'm saying. But it also says, and the tongues of angels. And I'll explain more about that in a little bit. Something else that might be helpful is to talk about the purpose of tongues. Why should we do it? And most of what we'll be looking at is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which is where it's talking about speaking in tongues in a church setting. But what we're talking about today is the simple gift of speaking in tongues, which the phrase simple gift, that's referring to your personal prayer, okay? Not a prayer in a church setting. So even though 1 Corinthians 14 is talking about tongues in a church setting, I want you to understand that these principles still apply. Why should we pray in tongues in our personal life? Well, 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So when we pray in tongues, we are speaking directly to God. So it's not just gibberish, because it is going directly to God. But along with that, your mind doesn't understand what you're praying. It's a mystery to your brain, but God knows exactly what you're saying. And that can be really important because just like I talked about in the last episode, our brain can get in the way of our prayers sometimes when we pray in the language that you normally speak in. For me, it's English. And that's because my five senses, what I see, hear, smell, taste, and feel, that can affect the way I pray. Another way our brain can affect the way we pray is because sometimes when we're around other people, I mean, I'll admit it, there's been times in my life that when I pray with other people, I try to sound eloquent or, <laughs> you know, quote unquote, more spiritual in front of others. Another one is that our prayers can be affected by our limited knowledge of the situation. An example like I talked about in the last episode was praying for a job. How when we pray for something like a job and how there's nothing on the surface morally wrong with it, it's not like you're trying to work at a strip club or something like that. We think that this job is what God wants me to do or that this would be a good decision. But in reality, God knows the bigger scheme of things and he doesn't even want you to have that job. It's not his desire for your life, but you don't understand that. So you're over here praying for this job when that's not God's will for your life. So again, our limited understanding of the whole picture can affect the way that we pray. So again, 
when we pray in tongues, we're not praying something that others will understand. However, we are praying something directly to God and we're speaking mysteries in the Spirit. We're praying in our heavenly language. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now, that word edify, it means to benefit, to improve, to uplift, to charge. Okay, it's kind of like a, a car battery. How if that car battery runs out, the car won't run. So you have to hook the sucker up to a charger and get it charged back up. That's just an example of what speaking in tongues does. It builds us up. It edifies us. And the reason that's so important is because if we're going to help someone else out, it's important that we're not on empty ourselves. Okay, we should be working out of the overflow, out of abundance. And God cared that much about us that he gave us a tool that would help to build us up. Jude verse 20, and there's only one chapter in the book of Jude, so verse 20. But you, beloved, okay, so you and I, we've trusted in Jesus, we are God's beloved, building yourselves up, okay, that's exactly what we talked about, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So here we specifically see that tongues is praying in the Holy Spirit, and when we do, the Bible says we're praying on our most holy faith. It's the best prayer we've got. Romans 8, 26-27 Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, which just means it's not understood speech. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. First, I want us to see that tongues is designed to help us. Now, maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, but there are a lot of times where I don't know what to pray. And so when I pray in tongues, it's where my born-again spirit does the praying for me, and I can be assured that it's the perfect will of God. So if that's what's happening when I'm praying in tongues, then sign me up. <laughs> And honestly, I don't even pray in English all that often. Now, I pray in English when I'm praying for someone, okay, because I want them to understand what I'm saying. So when I'm actually praying for someone with someone, I'll pray for them in English. If I'm praying with my kids or my wife, you know, blessing the food or, you know, before they go to bed or something like that, I'll pray in English, you know, and I'm sure there's another time or two where I pray in English. But I'm just saying, most of the time, I just pray in the Spirit. And, and why wouldn't I? Because if I'm praying in tongues and I'm praying the perfect will of God, that sounds pretty good to me. Now, all that sounds really good, doesn't it? So, my question is, why would someone be against speaking in tongues? One of the main reasons, like we've kind of already talked about, is because they've been taught against it. They've been told, you know, it's of the devil, that it passed away with the last apostle, that it's not for today. And one of the most common scriptures used to defend that point is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 12. And that says, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. And from that, people say, well, you know, see, there it is. The Bible says that tongues is going to cease. But the thing is, that's only the middle of the verse. You can't just stop reading to make it say what you want it to say. Verse 8 
in the end of that verse, you know, so we're going to keep on reading, goes on to say, whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. So here's my question. Has knowledge vanished away? Well, no. Okay. Daniel 12 verse 4 in the B part of that verse, the end of that verse says that in the last days, knowledge will increase. And if you didn't know, we are in those last days. And if you think about it, you know it's true. I mean, nowadays we can find out what's going on on the other side of the world in real time. I mean, you can Google just about anything you want. You can even listen to preaching nonstop all day long if you choose. Okay? There is a bunch of knowledge available to us now. And if you know anything about prophecy and all the things that have come to pass in the last 10, 20 years that have to take place before Jesus comes back again, there's no doubt we're in those last days. So has knowledge vanished away? Well, no, definitely not. So here's the key. If knowledge hasn't vanished away, then saying prophecy and tongues aren't for today, that wouldn't make any sense. Okay, they're all in the same verse. But let's just keep on reading. Verse 9, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So the question is, what's this referring to? When that which is perfect has come. Well, it'll tell us. So let's keep reading. Verse 11, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he, you know, it's talking about Jesus, is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So when we receive our glorified bodies and we see Jesus face to face, that's when we will know just also as we are known. And at that point, yes, prophecies will fail and tongues will cease. Why is that? Well, that's because we'll be in the presence of Jesus. And when that happens, we won't need prophecies or tongues. So all of that brings us to the conclusion that tongues is still available for us today. The second reason why someone wouldn't want to believe in speaking in tongues, and that's because of a bad experience they had. I called this message, It's Not Weird. But man, no doubt, has come up with plenty of ways to make it nutty and flaky. But here's something I want you to take away from today. The kingdom of God always attracts. It never retracts. Okay, I'm going to say that again. The kingdom of God always attracts. It never retracts. Okay, people were drawn to Jesus. They wanted to be around him. It's people or religion that make things weird. So if you've ever witnessed something in person or on the internet or wherever in relation to speaking in tongues, it may be that one, they were operating out of order, okay? They were doing things in a way that was weird and it was unscriptural. So yeah, I can see why that would freak you out. Or number two, they were doing things in order and scripturally, but because you just didn't have the understanding yet about speaking in tongues, it seemed weird. Because again, what did we already read? Is that it's not going to make much sense to our brains. 
but we are speaking directly to God and he does understand it. We're speaking mysteries. So I hope that this can help you today. Now, what else did Paul say about speaking in tongues? 1 Corinthians 14, 5, the first part of that verse says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. <laughs> now, that's pretty straightforward. And yes, there's more to that verse. Verse 5 says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. And from this, people have tried to say that we should only focus on prophecy and not tongues. Even though he just said, I wish you all spoke with tongues. <laughs> but what is this saying about prophecy? It's not saying that prophecy is better. It's saying that in a church setting, prophecy is better unless someone interprets the words spoken in tongues into a language that others can understand. It doesn't benefit others when they don't have a clue what you're saying. You know, I could say the most profound thing from the word to you in a language you don't understand. And if you don't understand it, it's not going to proffer you. It's not going to help you. And why is that? Well, it's because you don't have a clue what I said. So in order for us to benefit from tongues in a church setting like this is talking about, it needs to be interpreted. But again, we are talking about the simple gift of tongues. And Paul says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Now, Paul also said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. <laughs> and if that wasn't clear enough, he said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 39, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. It didn't just say, I'll leave it up to you. It said, do not forbid to speak with tongues. I mean, really, how much clearer could Paul have written to us? So what if someone's received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but hasn't spoken in tongues? Does that mean they're not truly baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, the answer is no. Okay, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and never speak in tongues. And sadly, that's what some denominations preach, that unless you speak in tongues, you never truly receive the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want to share with you. You don't have to speak in tongues. You get to. Tongues is a gift made available to all of us in the church age. So that being said, another way of describing it is tongues is proof that someone's received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You'll hear the phrase, baptize in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And that's what we saw in those two accounts from the book of Acts. They received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and it was visibly evident that they received it because they spoke in tongues. But again, does that mean that if you don't speak in tongues right away, that you didn't receive it? Well, no. Whether you speak in tongues when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or if it's been days, months, or years, tongues is something that's available to you right now. So how do we speak in tongues? I'm going to start off by saying something that may rub some of you the wrong way, but just hear me out first before you dismiss it. Speaking in the simple gift of tongues is up to you. It's your choice. So let's go to the word. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 32. 
says, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And I know some of you are thinking, well, what the heck does that mean? Okay. What this is saying is that you and I have control. Okay. Paul in the verses prior was talking about how to pray in tongues in a church setting. And he was explaining how to do so in order and, and not bring about confusion. Then he goes and says in this verse that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, meaning they have control over what they do. Now, this is kind of a disgusting example, but it's kind of like when you throw up, <laughs> you know, like the projectile vomiting, how once it comes out, you just can't stop it from coming. It's not like that. Okay. Tongues is not like that. Praying in the spirit, praying in tongues is up to you. You activate it with your vocal cords, with your tongue, and with your mouth. If you don't initiate it and allow sounds to come out of your mouth, then it won't happen. God is a gentleman. He's never a bully. He'll never force you to do something that you don't want to do. He doesn't just take over your mouth and force you to speak in tongues. Another way of saying it is, is that you can keep it from happening. Yes, the Spirit is the one praying for you, but it's you and I that produce the sound. We have to allow sound to be produced and to flow out of our mouths. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, For if I pray in a tongue, okay, so it's a choice, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So the mind doesn't understand what I'm saying. It doesn't understand the syllables that are coming out of my mouth, but nonetheless, the prayer is full of power, and I have to initiate it. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 27 through 28. If anyone speaks, okay, this is saying anyone can speak. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Again, this is talking about tongues in a church setting, but it still applies. It says, if anyone speaks, again, it's a choice. And throughout this verse, a couple times, we see the word let. Now, the word let implies that we have a choice. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. So speaking in tongues is up to us. We must initiate it. It's not us who's doing the praying. It's our spirit. Now this verse does refer to, says, I will pray with the spirit. Okay, so that's talking about praying in tongues. And then it says, I will also pray with the understanding. The understanding means, you know, we can be praying in our language as well. Okay, so we can pray in tongues, which is a language we won't understand with our brain unless, and I'm throwing this in there, just in case you're thinking it. Yes, we can ask for the interpretation. Okay, so I'm just talking about, in general, we're not going to understand the sounds that are coming out of our mouth. But yes, the Holy Spirit can give us the interpretation. That's another topic. But again, it's not us who's doing the praying. It's our spirit. But we have to produce the sound. Again, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. It's our choice. God doesn't take over our mouths. And I know I've already mentioned it, but here's an important statement I want to say again. You don't have to pray in tongues. You get to. Okay? It's meant to build you up. It's meant to edify you. We pray the perfect will of God. So it is a good thing. 
Let me just finish this with some personal examples. The first one I want to share, which is one of my favorites, was when I was ministering to my mom about all this. My mom came from a background that taught against all this. You know, she was actually told that speaking in tongues was of the devil. (laughs) But it's been about 10 years ago now that I started pursuing a relationship with Jesus again. And as I was learning things in church and, and seeing things in the word, I lived two hours away from her. So when I would call her, we'd have these long conversations of what's been going on with what I've been learning. And I would share with her the truths that I was learning. And a lot of it was just setting her free from some of the things that she'd been taught. And I'm not saying this as a knock on any of the people that taught my mom. Okay, that's not the point. I'm just saying it was setting her free. So as I began talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I began talking about speaking in tongues, she was a little skeptical at first, okay, <laughs> you know, but I tried to do my best to not make it sound weird and all that. Well, anyways, one weekend she came up to visit and that Sunday after church, you know, we're back in my living room and we're just talking about this stuff. We're talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And basically what I was doing was because I had some understanding at the time, but I wasn't, you know, super well versed in it yet. What I was doing was I was reading from these little books and these two little books were Why Tongues by Kenneth E. Hagen, and the other one was Baptism in the Holy Spirit by Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok. And I'm sure you can find those online. They're super little thin books, so I mean, it probably would only cost a couple dollars online if you want to look for them yourself. But anyways, we were talking about this, and I was just kind of reading through the book, and I'd interject some things with what I've learned, and she'd ask questions, and so it was just a good time. So anyways, when I got done explaining everything to her and going through these books, now I was all excited. You know, I wanted to lay hands on my mom and help her to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But when we talked about it, you know, she just, she just wasn't ready yet. And praise God, the Holy Spirit revealed to me and gave me enough wisdom to know that, you know, I shouldn't push her. So anyways, it gets to be the end of the day and I go off to bed because I got to get up for work the next day and... She goes to bed in my uh, spare bedroom. But little did I know when she was in there, she actually asked God to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, no one laid hands on her. She just simply asked. And even though she had been taught against it, by faith, she attempted to initiate speaking in tongues. Now, she was only able to get a couple syllables out. But, you know, after she did, she went to bed. So the next morning comes, I get up, I go to work. I don't talk to her that morning. I had to get up kind of early and my mom was leaving for the day. So when I got home from work that night, you know, there was a note waiting for me there. And on that note, she told me that she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that she spoke in tongues. And that morning when I was gone to work, a friend that she'd known for basically her whole life that she hadn't talked to in about three to four years called her and apologized and that relationship was mended that morning. Another example was when one of the pastors at my church prayed in tongues for me. At the time, I was working for a contractor that was actually renovating the building that is now where our church is. And while I was working with him, in this one corner, the concrete went up on a slant and I didn't recognize it. So when I got up to the top, one of the legs of the ladder buckled And I just fell straight back right on my head. 
And yeah, there was only about, you know, a quarter inch of carpet on the flat concrete. And so when I hit, the people that were around me just heard a uh, sound. And, and so this pastor comes over and when he got to me, he saw my eyes roll back into the back of my head and then my hands clenched up and he didn't know exactly what to pray. He knew that I hit my head, but he didn't know what to pray. So what did he do? He just started praying in tongues. And within a reasonably short amount of time, a couple minutes or so later, I just snapped out of it. I came to. Now, I hit my head pretty good. And so I went and I sat down for a while and, and I left work for the day. But I remember that that was on a Wednesday because that night after just, you know, four, five, six hours, I still went to youth group that night where I served and I helped to volunteer with the kids and I didn't have any headaches. I didn't have any injuries. I didn't have a concussion. I didn't have none of that stuff. Okay. So if you want to convince me that tongues isn't for today and that it doesn't work, I'm saying this as kind as I can, but it's too late. (laughs) Tongues works. Okay. And I've experienced it. Next, I want to tell you how I personally received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, again, this is like 10 years ago. I'd been going to my church for five or six months, somewhere in that ballpark, which I started in January. I started at the first of the year. And then this was after Easter. I believe it was on the day of Pentecost when the pastor talked about this, where the Holy Spirit came upon those in the upper room, the 120, and they spoke in tongues. So when I received... I didn't have lots of understanding on this topic, okay? My pastor preached on it. He didn't just explain it with his opinion. He showed it to us in the Word. And my opinion was, if God has something else for me and I can see it in the Word, I want it. I was on fire for God. So I went up front after service. He laid his hands on me. I repeated a prayer, you know, similar to like a salvation prayer where what I was doing was I was asking for the Holy Spirit. Then my pastor explained that what he was going to do was he was going to begin to pray in tongues, in his spiritual language, and that I could pray in tongues, not with him, but personally to God. And again, that aligns with everything we just talked about, that when I'm praying, I'm praying to God. Okay, so in this situation, he wouldn't normally pray where I could hear it, but because he led me and helped me receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he began praying in tongues and he gave me the invitation to do so if I chose to. And I did. Now, when I began praying in tongues, I didn't feel anything, okay? Fire didn't come down from heaven. Nothing like that happened. I simply, by faith, believed that I had received. Now, my prayer language came out a little different. I had like English words mixed in with it. You know, it... it, It definitely felt unnatural. And after we got done, which he prayed for, I don't know, nine, ten seconds, my pastor told me that the more I did it, the more I exercised it, the easier it would be. So I left the church and went home and and, and it was awesome. Now, this isn't the best way to say it, but when I would attempt to speak in tongues after that, I actually saw it as practicing speaking in tongues. And what I would do was, you know, at the time I was single, I didn't have any roommates, so I would just lay in my bed and I would play music really super loud right next to my ears 
so that whatever came out of my mouth, my brain wouldn't get in the way and try to tell me that what I was saying didn't make any sense. I had that music so loud that I couldn't even hear myself. So I would just pray in the spirit. And over time, I began getting more and more comfortable with it. I didn't have to have the music blasting to where I couldn't hear what was coming out of my mouth. I was just believing that what I was saying was building myself up, that I was praying the perfect will of God and that I was praying directly to the Father, even though I couldn't understand what I was saying. Now, shortly after I had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I had been thinking, well, you know, sometimes it kind of feels like it comes out a little faster. Sometimes it feels like it's kind of slow. You know, how do I do this? And I had been thinking, and now when I say I had been thinking about it, I hadn't been putting lots of thought into it, okay? It's not like I had been losing sleep over it or, you know, something like that. It's just a thought that I had occasionally. So one night I goes to bed and I had a dream. Now, I hadn't been asking for God to give me a dream, okay? You can really get in a ditch when you're asking God to show me a sign or give me a dream or, you know, all those sorts of things, okay? But I just went to bed and I happened to have a dream. Now, what I had been asking God was for more understanding on the topic to help me better understand it in my mind and so that I can operate in it more freely and and just get freed up from it. So again, this one night I have this dream and in my dream, it's like my tongue was a machine gun. Okay. The words were coming out fast. And as soon as I woke up, it resonated with me that my prayer language could be like a machine gun. And when I say it resonated with me, what I mean is I didn't wake up thinking, well, was that from God or was that, you know, da, da, and then it took a half day or something like that. No, it wasn't that. It was like, as soon as I woke up, I just knew that that was ministering to me. Okay. Not every dream you have is a dream from God. Okay. It just could mean that you ate too much pie. But in this situation, I knew it was God showing me something simple to help me in my understanding. And so I took from that, that when I spoke in tongues, it was powerful but also that I could just let it flow freely. I could speak fast. Now, that doesn't mean that it always comes out fast, but generally speaking, when I pray in tongues, the syllables just come out fast. And so that helped me in that season I was in. So from then on, I didn't keep overthinking it. I just operated in it and allowed the Holy Spirit to to speak for me. So to end, I want to look at a scripture in Luke. And that's in Luke 11, verses 9 through 13. And this is Jesus speaking. And it says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This verse is telling us that all we have to do is ask for the Holy Spirit. And if you do, you'll get the Holy Spirit. So my hope from today is, is that you'll be able to see that speaking in tongues is scriptural and it is for us today. God's the one that gave us the baptism in the Holy Spirit 
with the evidence of speaking in tongues so that we can be equipped and endued with power so that the Holy Spirit could work through us so that we're not working in our own understanding and in our own strength, but through His strength and power. So if you're someone that's already received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but it's been some time since you've spoken in tongues, I just want to encourage you to stir up that gift, to begin to operate it in your daily life, to use it. Don't beat yourself up if it's been five years or a year since you've used it last. Just begin to operate in it now. It's your choice. But if you're someone that's new to this and you're interested in receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, today's your day. I can assure you, it's not complicated. Just like this verse in Luke 11 said that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, you'll get the Holy Spirit. So if that's you, just as a reminder, you have to have first accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And in a moment, I'm going to give you that opportunity in case you're just not sure if you have or not. But after that, I'm going to direct you to the very first series I did on this podcast. And that was called Holy Spirit Upon. And the episode is part four. So it's the fourth episode on the Abundance Podcast. And it was recorded on the date March 17th, 2021. And you can listen to the whole thing if you want. You know, that's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to get to the part where I lead you in receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can fast forward to around the 45-minute mark in five seconds. So 45.05, somewhere in that ballpark. I know that's when I begin explaining what's going to go on, how we're going to do it, just because I just want to be clear with what I'm saying. And the truth is, you don't have to do that. You don't have to turn to this and have me help you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you can do it right now. You can just ask for it to God. But this is just a way, just like we would help someone receive salvation, this is just a way to help you do that. And just to be clear, the reason I'm not doing it on this episode right now is because I'm sure that there are some of you guys out there who are still on the fence about this. You're just really not sure. And if I had it on here, if I attempted to lead you into receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then I spoke with tongues, because that's what I also do. I lead you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We make a prayer, and then just like my pastor did, I begin speaking in tongues because I am praying to God, and that's meant to encourage you to activate that gift of speaking in tongues that you have on the inside of you, whether you choose to or not. So again, it's not me praying with you. It's me praying to God and encouraging you to activate that gift that's inside of you and pray to God directly yourself. But the reason I don't do that on this episode is because, again, I know there are some of you who are maybe unsure about this, and that's okay. God's working with you, and he's drawing you closer to him. And whether or not you choose to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that doesn't change the fact that you're born again. Okay, This is just an additional experience available to those who have trusted in him. So, I'm not sharing it on here now because I don't want to cause anything to bring about confusion. Because again, like we've talked about, when we pray in tongues, we're praying the hidden mysteries of God. Our mind is not fruitful, okay? It, 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 we're not going to be able to understand with our mind what's being said. So I don't want to have that on this same episode and bring about confusion in your life. Or, you know, sometimes 
we tend to think, well, yeah, let me see what this is about. And, you know, and we're really not believing for it. We're not ready for that. So I just, I just have chosen to not do that. So if you're interested in receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit today with the evidence of speaking in tongues, again, I just want to encourage you to go to that episode, part four, Holy Spirit upon from the date, March 17th, 2021 at that 4505 mark. And that's where I'll help you receive what Jesus has already made available to you. So before we do that, if you've been listening to this and you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you that opportunity to do that. It's not complicated, and that was by design. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So let me ask you this. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Do you believe that he was raised from the dead? If so, then let's simply speak it with our mouth. Repeat this after me. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe he is the Christ, that he was raised from the dead. I make you the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you said that simple prayer and meant it from your heart, you are what the Bible refers to as born again. You are brand new. The old has passed away and God's spirit is inside of you right now. And there's a party going in heaven celebrating the decision you made. And so I want to encourage you to tell someone about the decision that you made so they can celebrate with you. So again, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd encourage you to receive this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Flip over to that podcast episode and I'll help you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on the Abundance Podcast.